Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, citizen, to the fourth episode of the Liberty Critical Research Podcast. As your media director, it is my duty to inform you that the following story has been labeled explicit and is intended for mature audiences. So stay tuned and remember, Atreus endures. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. stores an atmospheric chamber. Atmospheric what? A room that will acclimate us to the current atmospheric pressure and temperature of the fringe. What's the purpose of such a room? Isn't the pressure close enough to Atreus to not really be an issue? It's not for health reasons. It serves a tactical purpose. Just get in. I understand what you mean about ears popping now. Uh, uh, uh. We've now reached the atmospheric pressure of the fringe. The door on the opposite side will lead us into the basement of one of our remote research stations. No one's been here to check on the station for a few months, so be on your guard. It is currently 0900 hours, and we are entering the basement of a remote research station in sector... If you do that now, they will hear us. I will let them kill you. I'll take point. I'm the pointman. Until you have a better understanding of the fringe, I will be establishing whether what we encounter is a threat. I'll take point. You follow up, followed by Kato, Kofsky, and... Sev.
Reeve, what's that smell? Shh, be quiet. Why'd we stop? Contacts ahead. Four. We're okay, though. They look strung out. Stung out? They're currently incapacitated by the influence of some substance. Let's continue moving. They're more of a threat to themselves than they are to us currently. Would they be suitable for interview? No. Archon, they smell awful. I think that one's dead. I think he's trying to communicate with us. You won't get anything coherent from him, Kovsky. Keep moving. It's welded shut. We're going out the window. Before we leave this somewhat safe location, uh, may I record our surroundings? You have two minutes. Day one of the excursion to the southern fringe. We entered into the safe house and discovered that it was littered with tiny scraps of metal, plastic, broken glass, and dirt. They clearly do not value cleanliness as we do. Uh, Hey, Sev, what is this? That's a spent bullet casing. Oh, um, we also found people, er, fringers, uh, four of them, slumped in a heap under the influence of some currently unknown substance. As I'm unable to speak with them currently, and they do not seem cognitively aware of my existence, we are moving on. Through a window, as the door was apparently sealed. Through the window I can see the fringe for the first time. Despite its dilapidated nature, the open streets almost seem inviting, and I'm first drawn to the height of the buildings on either side of the main road, which are significantly shorter than those found in Atreus. The buildings appear uncared for, smashed windows outnumber whole. Bird marks and pock marks are also very prevalent on the road as well as on the sides of the buildings. There's a general emptiness I was not expecting. Alright, time's finished. That's all for now. Contact 30 degrees. Two more at 270. Gradius. Could you assess whether or not either of these contacts are viable reservoirs of information? The two on the left appear to be together, a water carrier with protection. The loner ahead looks like a scavenger. I would surmise that the scavenger would be a fair source of information. They have a tendency to cover large areas. The pair would be a risky gamble as they might see our approach as a threat. Thank you. Can we move in the direction of the scavenger? Follow me. Jalo, we're not supposed to keep formation. Stop standing so tall. And you should be talking, all any speak. Any? Inner city idiot. Shit, Jalo. Where'd you hear that? I was inspirationized. Inspirationalized. Really? Shut it, Sav. Jalo, you good. Oi, you! Ain't got nothing you want. Scrap, just just scrap, I squares. Yeah, but I got something you want. All I need is a bit of talk. Okay, keep back though. Always, yeah. I'll give you talk for stuff. Kovsky. <clears throat> uh, ask him... Ask him what he's looking for. I could tell you that. It doesn't mean anything if it comes from you. Oi! What you after? What kind of question is that? It's mine. You want stuff or what? <laughs> Uses. K. 
okay. I'm looking for, for scrap. Brass, hits, little tufts, you know, anything worth a bit to someone. What is, what is hits? What is little tufts? Can I answer that one? Fine. Ask him what he plans to do with this scrap. What you do with scrap? Why you picking it? You got a toothache? Toothache? You take bad drugs? My deal's about to walk unless you start playing nice. Okay. Y'all starving, walking up here, talking like you don't know. Everyone know. I just scrap in the streets. My scrap is for Lady Lawns. She owns his street and she owns me. All my scrap for the big lady. My scrap goes redone. My brass goes to the ammo bros uptown. And my hits get used by users. Oh, there is a structure. He's on the bottom. There's a big lady on top. Ask about the big lady. Is it a gang? Is this a gang thing? Who's the big lady? She run your gang? Ah, fresh flesh we got here. I knew the lady longs. She's the big lady running the shale she did. You want your hit? We got your bit. You talk to big lady? No, 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 not me. My scrap goes to makers. Makers making his stuff for soldiers. Soldiers stand with the big lady. Social stratification. Ask him why he does it. Does what? Why he's a scavenger. Why you do this? <laughs> you paying me. <laughs> no. Why you pick scrap for the shale? Do I look like I want to be dead? Fresh flesh you might be, but a lot of you won't be here if you don't join the shale. You gonna give me something? We have incoming contacts at 180. Four of them. Shale got a mark? A symbol? Yeah, she had a red bottle on gray. Nice. Here's something. Ooh, not bad. Cracked, but okay. Let's move out. You weren't joking about those changes in pressure. Man. Anyone got a tissue? So is that the kind of stuff you need, Kofsky? While it's great that he cooperated considerably well, it was only a single percent of the data I'll need for this one gang alone. It seems to be complex enough that each gang or group is, in itself, going to be a difficult job to document. Gangs form and disband daily. I would suggest choosing a small yet specific set of gangs to document. Shale seems like a great start. Before we decide on a specific gang, we should get a better understanding of what trait sustains them. We've only interviewed one fringer from one gang. I believe we need a larger survey before we make any final decisions. What about that... person? She's alone, but stay on your guard. A group of four contacts is crossing the street at 180 to 200. That was eloquent. Just want to make sure Kofsky also understands. I understand. I get it. Oi, you! Stay back! Oi, we want to talk. I got boom pop. Back off while I walk off. Contact has a gun. I. That was exciting. Boom pop? I think my nephew called it boom pop. Are you all right, Kofsky? That's... I'm fine. I guess we'll find someone else. I don't like having guns pointed at me either. How are you all feeling, physically? Well... Well, I'm kind of hungry. Yeah, I'm getting hungry as well. Since it's still light out, this would be a great time to find shelter and eat. Shelter? Is the weather expected to change? No, but eating in public might be an unnecessary risk. That adds to eight. There's a warehouse over at 270. Looks securable. It's already occupied. From what I understand, those paint markings denote occupancy. 30 degrees, that building. Let's move. This is my fourth recording for today. It's nearing 2100 hours and we've been in the fringe almost an entire day now. 
After we finished lunch, we went back outside and explored three more blocks. I was able to interview two additional individuals. We found an enforcer, though he identified himself as a soldier of the shale. For more information regarding this, please see the additional supplement notes labeled Shale Interview 2. We also encountered a sexual worker. He gave us a wealth of information for proper compensation and informed us quite regularly of his establishment. I believe that these brothel institutions may be of use as bounty information, as they are common meeting grounds for individuals from many gangs and occupations. For more on my interview with the Sark sex workers, see additional supplement notes, Sark Interview 1. I found it very surprising that much of my previous theoretical work based around fringers having social structures is proving so true. This was entirely unexpected, but I suppose that this whole excursion was as well. We continued walking for a few hours after the Sark interview, but it was fairly difficult to find additional subjects. Fringers have been conditioned to be easily frightened and distrusting. While our group is small, we have been perceived as a threat in multiple instances. I attribute this to Gradius and Sev's intimidating presence. They really look the part. <laughs> Most of the fringe we've seen so far is rather empty and desolate. Fringers themselves are surprisingly few and far between, and always appear somewhat exhausted. Gradius recently informed us that fringers are generally nocturnal, so this fits with previous observations. I have yet to experience the full extent of fringe activity at night, and I'm intrigued at the prospect of seeing more of them interact with one another, as opposed to us. Even given our research so far, this has been a harrowing experience. I've had a gun pointed at me for the first time in my life. Someone tried to steal equipment from Patel. I've seen fringers so intoxicated that they could not discern hallucination from reality. 30 minutes ago, after we had entered into the basement for the night and had relaxed some, a pile of rags in the corner sprang towards me. It was a fringer, an adult male covered in dirt and scars. What teeth he had were filed to points, and he had a weapon made from scrap. That single moment felt like a minute. I'm surprised that I can even remember as much detail because it was dark and happened so quickly. I just couldn't move. But before he could reach me, Gradius was on top of him, wrestling him for control of the weapon. Jalo was there a moment later, and shortly after the group was disposing of the body of the Fringer. Despite this, we are currently still in the basement. It's a small enough area for the team to guard, and it seems to only have one access point to the upper levels. My team has agreed to sleep in shifts, and thankfully, I just get to sleep, if I can. It smells terrible here. I smell terrible. Well, that about spans the day. I will talk with you tomorrow, Archivist. I hope you take a few extra moments to appreciate your shower this evening. This is Dr. Bartolokovsky, and this is the end of the first day. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Podcast. Episode 4 of Liberty Critical Research was written by Caitlin Statz and co-created and produced by Travis Vengroff. The voice of Dr. Martolokovsky was Paul Maya. Kato Patel was Brian Keller. Decimo Jalo was Lauren Griffin. Severus Jungquist was Travis Vengroff. The Scavenger was Robert Pitsley. And Gradius Rodriguez was John Carter. The music and sound for this broadcast were recorded and designed by Careless Juja. If you have enjoyed listening to Liberty Critical Research, please rate and review us on iTunes. To support the Liberty Podcast, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash libertypodcast. Liberty is a Fool and Scholar production. This production is copyright 2015 by John Dossinger Publishing, and Liberty is a trademark of Travis Van Groff. Thank you for listening, and may the Archon watch over you.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.